Oh, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We're on episode 87, Sidney Crosby, of course, of my little hockey show, where once a week I go through all of the major news and what's happenings in the NHL, mainly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, because those are my two favorite teams, but I'll be talking about All 32 teams on this podcast and what is on tap today? Well, it just so happens there's a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs and Calgary Flames news. So we'll be spending some time with those two teams. A potential myth the legend may be returning to a Canadian market. We'll just have to wait and see, but we'll be talking about that. Injury news, we got suspensions galore, and I think at the end of the show, we're going to hand out some mid-season awards. That should be a lot of fun, so let's just dive into it. Let's get into probably the biggest news this week, and that is Morgan Riley getting a five-game suspension for the situation that happened against the Ottawa Senators at the end of that game. So, what happened? End of the game... Toronto Maple Leafs have the goaltender pulled, and, uh, fuck, what's his name? Um, Ridley Gregg, he comes down, empty net, and he decides to take a big ol' slap shot into the empty net. Morgan Riley says, how dare you? How absolutely dare you? Goes right at him and sticks him in the face. So, yeah, um... Right when that happened, my immediate reaction was, oh no, oh no, oh no. Uh, I knew that was going to be a suspension. Now, I think five games may be a little bit hefty because it was not the, the worst hit in the face we've ever seen. I mean, I know it's a completely different situation, but Wayne Simmons getting cross-checked in the face by Edmondson in that Montreal series a few years ago was absolutely insane and all Edmondson got was a fine again I know that's the playoffs and that's a totally different bag of worms or whatever which I mean it shouldn't be but it's a conversation for a different day I didn't think Morgan Riley caught him in the face all that badly yes he did and it's a stupid thing that he did and yeah it's kind of a stupid thing that actually honestly Ridley Gregg I think what he did was kind of genius kind of genius uh he did he did exactly what 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 he was probably expecting to get out of this maybe not a stick in the face but i mean not only did he take out the Toronto Maple Leafs best defenseman some people argue the best player on the team this season um you riled up the the fan base and you kind of reignited that flame of the battle of ontario the hatred between ottawa and toronto it's back baby it is back like fuck yeah i've been missing it for years i haven't felt the true hatred between toronto and ottawa all the way back to 2004 man when i was eight or nine years old I remember a teacher of mine uh, was a huge Ottawa Senators fan. It was me and my buddy Sean. We'd wear our Leaf jerseys to school every day, and we would just go at it with this teacher day in, day out. Sherpin, Daniel, Alfredson, Spezza, Heatley, all those guys. It was so much freaking fun. Well, I don't think Heatley was there yet. But, man, uh, this could could be great. Now, the only thing that really sucks about this, aside from Morgan getting a five-game suspension, is that these two teams aren't going to be playing each other until next year that was the last game and Ottawa winning the series uh series uh, the season series uh this year against the Toronto Maple Leafs which hasn't happened in a very long time which 
I mean, again, without this whole rivalry, it, it doesn't really matter. Like, the Sens have been pretty bad, while the Toronto Maple Leafs have been good, and then vice versa. When the Leafs suck, the Sens were good. So, we're not quite there yet. Ottawa clearly having a very, very disappointing season right now. But, yeah, man, honestly, I think what Greg did was a little bit genius. Did he mean for all of this to happen? I don't think so. I think mostly it's just pent-up rage. Like, if I was an Ottawa Senator or an Ottawa Senators fan, I'd be hella annoyed whenever Toronto comes into town because it's Toronto takes over the building. Like, it's it's a Toronto Maple Leafs home game whenever they play in Ottawa, and that's got to get annoying or... At least we all know that one of the most satisfying things, uh, especially according to Mark Shifley, is beating the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's amazing, and everybody loves to do it. The media is always all over every Toronto game, so you're getting more media attention. And yeah, really, Greg is probably like, you know what? I'm fucking sick and tired of these Leaf fans taking over our building, and wham, I'm just going to smash this puck into your net Fuck you, and you know what, man? I'm obviously I'm a huge Leaf fan. I love it. I love what he did there. That was awesome. Like, I think it's a little silly. Like, uh, this even go this even has it in the video games. Some I don't know if they're still doing that, but after the whistle or whatever, if you take a slap shot into the net, it's like an all-out brawl. And I fucking love doing that. Um, more so in the older NHL games when you actually hurt people and shit. But anyway. I I mean, it's kind of silly that, you know, you go and see red just because a guy shoots a puck into your net really aggressively. Um, but, you know, in defense of Morgan Riley, I mean, he obviously shows that he cares very much. He's a very passionate Toronto Maple Leaf. He loves this team. He bleeds blue and white. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to hurt the team not having Morgan Riley in the lineup for five games. Now, they won the game last night. It was against St. Louis. I mean, it, I mean, St. Louis is okay. It's just like not the biggest test. We'll see. There's still four more games to go. I know Morgan Riley is in the process of appealing this suspension, but we know how that always goes. He's gonna miss the whole five games, even if they do appeal it and win and get it taken down to four games. By the time that gets all put through the the five game suspension will be complete it'll just be a money situation and morgan is set to to lose about 200 grand uh over the course of this suspension so yeah ouch a little bit you know maybe less so in the pockets of morgan riley but in the pockets of someone like me or you holy shit not good so yeah that that's going to hurt but obviously the defense is going to get hurt. Morgan Riley this year has been unbelievable. Uh, people talking about this guy being the MVP of the team over Matthews, who is almost a goal-a-game player right now. Marner, Matthews, Tavares, all those guys. And, I mean, I can't say I can agree with that. I mean, defensively, by far, he is the best defenseman on the team. So, like, the next best guy is Jake McCabe, and, like, he's okay. He has good moments, but he ain't perfect. I mean... He's not the guy that I feel the most comfortable with in most defensive uh, situations. And yeah, we know the the kind of the, the Leafs defense this year isn't very strong. I mean, yes, we're getting some nice performances out of Benoit, but the, the guy's not amazing or anything. Giordano is the, literally the oldest player still playing in the NHL. Lilligren has mono now, apparently. I think, did he not have mono before? Isn't that why he... Uh, originally dropped majorly in that draft the year the Leafs got him. He was supposed to be like a top five pick, and he dropped all the way down to wherever the Leafs got him, I think at 18, and I'm pretty sure it's because he had mono. Well, anyway, he's got it again. That sucks. Not good. And it's not like Lilligren's been 
outstanding or anything, but that's another body and especially a right-handed shot defenseman, which the Leafs severely lack. So, yeah, losing Morgan Riley, obviously going to be awful. TJ Brody's just not been TJ Brody this year. Who the fuck else is playing for us right now? I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, uh, last night it was okay. They played okay uh, defensively, I guess. Um <sighs> Kind of just more of the Bobby McMahon show, getting that hat trick out of nowhere from freaking a healthy scratch to a, to a hat trick. That's pretty damn impressive. But um, back to the Morgan Riley thing. I think, yes, it's a little overstepping with five games. By, I mean, the standard set was the David Perron suspension, which was him hitting a guy in the face, though it was the wrong guy he hit in the face. He did hit someone in the face, and he got a six-game suspension for that, so they didn't feel it was up to that par, which I agree with, but I would have been more comfortable at, like, a three-, four-game suspension. Uh, Morgan was literally on pace for, like, a Lady Bing. He only had eight penalty minutes up until this, which is fucking crazy. Like, oh my goodness. So yeah, that's uh, it's going to be a, a hard thing for the Leafs to get through. I think they can do it. Like Morgan Riley's the kind of player for them that they're, you know, if he's not going to be there, I feel like that team is going to step up for him more than anybody on that team. So I'm expecting some nice performances out of the guys. I mean, Bobby McMahon there with the hat trick was not expecting that. So so far it's been okay, I guess, for the Leafs without Morgan Riley, but. Yeah, we're going to want him back in there as soon as possible. And then there's that other guy on the team who's been injured for a very long time. And that guy is Joseph Wall. So, so a, a semi-update. So, at first they said, like, yo, he's not even close. And then, like, two days later, he's practicing on the ice. So, I don't know. At this point, whatever the Leafs are saying about Joseph Wall, I'm not buying any of it. Originally, they said, oh, he's going to be out for a couple weeks. It's been months. It's been months. And trust me, I know. He's on my fantasy team. He's been sitting there on my injured reserve forever. And they said he was only supposed to be out for a few weeks. And it's clearly the injury that they claimed he had, an ankle twist or whatever. That's baloney. That's not true. It was definitely a hip situation. But... I mean, again, thankfully, Martin Jones was able to uh, ride out the storm for the Leafs while Samsonov figured out how to play hockey again. He's mostly figured it back out. He's playing a lot better now. Um, You know, still, I I still don't love him in the net. I would prefer Joseph Wall in there. But Samsonov is playing decent enough now that I don't think he's necessarily detrimental to the team anymore. But, uh, yeah. I've just been immensely annoyed and frustrated with this this Joseph Wall injury situation. It's great news to see him back on the ice. Again, I have no idea how much longer he is going to need to get back onto the ice, but I would love to see Joseph Wall back. He is just, I just like him in the net, man. He makes me feel good. I like the way that he plays in there. So yeah. So curious to hear what y'all think about the Morgan Riley suspension. Is it, is it way too much? Is it, is it not enough? I mean, I don't know. I I don't, I think they definitely got enough. I think five games is, is more than enough. But um, I again, this kind of goes with people are talking about the the whole oh the precedent of this. What about that? What about this situation? Well, we have to remember that there's like a new guy in there now. Um, so I think honestly, um, he's been doing a pretty good job so far at keeping things consistent. Um, it's it's really I think too early to understand what his president is so far. But I think he's been fairly consistent with it. So even Steve Dangle, I just watched his breakdown of it. And he was shockingly 
like calm and and composed about the whole situation. I like uh, the the day it happened, and then the ensuing day or two after, while we were waiting for the announcement, I was flipping out, man. I was like going to my wife. I'm like, oh god, this could be the end of the Toronto Maple Leaf season. Like they're not in the most comfortable spot. So in the wild card right now, the Leafs are the first wild card. They got 62 points. They have now been passed by Tampa Bay, Florida, and Boston are all ahead of them. They're not really close to Florida or Boston. And uh, Tampa Bay, they got one. They're one point behind. They have games in hand. Now, that doesn't mean shit unless you win those games. So, yes, Toronto has games in hand, but I'm not going to take it for much of anything. And then Detroit is right behind them at 60 points, biting at their heels a little bit. And they're playing well right now. And then just outside of the wild card is New Jersey, the Islanders, Washington, and Pittsburgh. Those four teams, I mean, a little bit out like Washington. We'll talk about Washington a little bit, but... Um, I'd say those four teams are still in the fight. Uh, New Jersey, we'll be talking about them as well. But uh, they're only four points behind the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. So right now, yeah, the Leafs have that cushion. They have to win. But uh, they're not as comfortable as people think. In Tampa Bay, they're surging. And after a, a pretty rough start, you know, to be past the Toronto Maple Leafs already, just goes to show how, like, kind of meh the Leafs season has been this year so far. They... They're a two-line team with weak defense and shoddy goaltending. It's just like, yeah. So, with that being said, let's talk about what the Leafs can do maybe in the upcoming trade deadline. So, we're a few weeks away now from that. And the questions are starting to come out at what the Toronto Maple Leafs could potentially do. And from what I'm seeing, not a whole lot. I mean... They don't have any money, so a lot of the trades, if there's anything to be made, it would have to be like money in, money out, or they're going to have to find cheap guys. So they do have their first round pick this season, the 2024 draft. Now, the debate is, should the Leafs put that into play or should they hang on to it? Because the Leafs don't have a very good prospect pool anymore. There's a few guys in there, like uh, Frazier Minton, you got... Is it Jared Cow- I don't know, Cowan and obviously Matthew Nyes, who's already on the team. Now, they have come out and said that those three guys, Nyes, Cowan, and Mitten, they're not trading those guys. They're not looking to move them. That's coming out of Elliot Friedman. So you can take that for what it is. So if they aren't going to move the first, they're not going to move any of those three players, then, then what's left? Not very much. I don't think they have any second-round picks. And, yeah, it, it seems like they're pretty privy to want to keep that first-round pick. Um, we'll probably take more in-depth look as the weeks go on as to what particular players are on the board, but there's one player from Washington that I do have my eyes on, and that is Nick Dowd. Uh, he's a center, and the thing that interests me the most about Nick Dowd is he's a center. That's great. The Leafs could use some center depth, uh, third line, fourth line, center situation. Who knows? Maybe he can play... Uh, in that middle six area, if need be, but I doubt it. The thing about Nick Na- Nick Dowd that we are liking is his low con or his low cap hit, and he signed through next season as well. So it's like a million and something, and he's been a good player for Washington this year. So that's a player that I am looking at right now. It's cheap. It's someone that you can bring in cheap for next year as well, which is going to be the key for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The way that they're structured with these very uh, front-loaded, heavy, high cap hits for five guys or whatever. You got to find those budget value contracts in Washington. A team kind of on, uh, well, you know, with Ovechkin and all right now. We'll talk about them, but 
Um, is is Washington in the market to sell? At this point, you would think so, but you know, if Ovechkin decides, hey, I'm just going to score 30 goals down the stretch. Uh, they might be in contention for a playoff spot. So Nick Dowd is the guy that I'm interested in. Uh, obviously, whatever defenseman, like whatever one they can bring in. The idea of trading out Bertuzzi, I, I could be into that. I, I think I would like to keep Domi. Like there's that idea of the Leafs potentially trading one of or both Domi and Bertuzzi. They're on one-year deals. And Bertuzzi's just snake-bitten as fuck. The dude cannot buy a goal. He's not playing badly. He's just absolutely snake-bitten right now. And um, I don't know if the fit is there, similar to, like, Nick Ritchie. Like, it just it didn't work, and then they traded him away. So could Toronto find someone to take him, take all the money? Is there a money-in, money-out deal that the Leafs can find, find another player of similar cap hit? Because that's going to be how... I feel a lot of the deals are going to have to go down. So many teams are right up against the cap, so they're just going to have to do something like that. So I don't know if, um, you know, trading Bertuzzi, I wouldn't be against it. Again, I think I think Domi should stay. I think he's, I think he's played well enough uh, that he should stay, and uh, he might even be able to be convinced to stick around for semi cheapish, like three million dollars. I'm not, I'm not bad at that. But five and a half or so million dollars for Bertuzzi this season, he just hasn't lived up to that. So if there's a team out there that they could trade him to and get something. I mean, defense is number one. They need so much help on defense. It's not even funny. So. What's out there defensively? Like, Noah Hannafin's going to be... That's just too much. Um, there's not a lot of guys out there that are coming off the top of my head, right? So, we'll see. We'll see for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but curious to hear what do you guys think. Is there... What kind of names out there? Like, I threw out Nick Dowd. That's the guy that I'm I'm eyeing up, at least for forwards. I'm going to have to do some more uh, diving to see what kind of defenseman might be on the market. But, yeah, Toronto desperately needs defense. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, let me know what you think. Should the Leafs move off of that first rounder? I mean, I wouldn't even be against it. Like, if they could trade the first rounder and then bring back in, like, a second or a third round, that would be fine with me. Because the first round's going to be a later first round pick anyway. It's not supposed to be the deepest draft. So I'm not against them moving it, but it would have to be, like, a good deal to do it. I don't want him just moving it for a pure rental. I don't think that would be a good idea. You got to get someone like a Nick Dowd that has some term for next year as well. So that's what I'm looking at for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Just got to see here. Is there anything else that I have written down for the Leafs? Nope, that's all for the Leafs. So let's move on. Let's go to Calgary now. And oh, buddy, the Flames are heating up a little bit right here. So they went on a little four-game winning streak right there, beating some pretty impressive teams, you know, taking down Boston, New Jersey, uh, Islanders, Chicago. Okay, we won't worry about Chicago. And then they got shut out last night by the Rangers. Not too worried about that one. The Rangers are on fire right now as well. But there's a, there's a bit of a, a bit of smoke around the Calgary Flames right now, and especially around Jacob Markstrom. So apparently... There was a deal in place with the New Jersey Devils that uh, I guess the Devils uh, stepped backed out of at the last moment. So there was a deal in place. I wish I knew what the details of that trade was. At some point, I imagine I'm going to hear the details of what that that trade was supposed to be. But it's not done yet. I think New Jersey is still circling around Calgary and Jacob Markstrom to see if they can make that happen. And me personally want this to happen so badly. Now... Nothing against Jacob Markstrom. He has played 
so good this year, and thank you so much for that. You have rebounded your not-so-good season from last year, which made you damn near untradeable, and now you are 100% tradable right now, and the Flames got a strike right now because who knows if he's ever going to play this good again. The Flames at this point... They don't need Jacob Markstrom to be playing this good for them. They're, they're, he's keeping them kind of above water, I think. And I need the Flames to not necessarily do a full tear-it-down rebuild. They can maybe get away with something like um, uh, Vancouver's been doing for their entire existence. Never doing a rebuild, but just doing a couple of retools. And I think Calgary could maybe get away with that. So you get rid of Markstrom... Sounds like you're going to get a fairly decent package, and I would imagine it sounds like with that jersey trade, Vanacek would have been coming back, which is fine. I don't give a shit. Bring him here, we'll deal with him, and just bury him and send him on his way some other time. It doesn't matter. I'm more curious about what are the other pieces that would have been coming back. Is it is it picks? Is it prospects? Is it a forward? Is it a defenseman? What is it? So really want that trade to go down. New Jersey is probably the number one team uh, in the market for a goaltender right now. I mean, Colorado is sniffing, but do they need a Jacob Markstrom when they have a Gorgiev? I don't know. New Jersey 1,000% needs a goaltender. LA could use a goaltender as well, but with New Jersey... I like what they have. They they and we've already they've already dealt with each other before with the Sharon Govich Toffoli trade. So so there's history here. I like that Sharon Govich deal. I feel like New Jersey fans were pretty fine with the Toffoli ad. So let's make it happen, New Jersey. Let's make it happen. Circle back around. Let's let's give you guys. Let's get you some Jacob Markstrom in there. Maybe you can save your guys a season. Now that's the other question. That's probably why New Jersey is like, should we or shouldn't we? Like, is it too late for us this year? Like, is it just not going to happen? And you know, double back next year and maybe get the goaltender in the off season and and come back at it strong next season. But I feel like that's what they're playing with right now. Like weighing those options. Like, oh, is it worth giving up all these assets for the goalie? And that's not a guarantee that Markstrom's going to play amazing for them. Like, it's not just because he's playing great for Calgary right now. You you rip him out of that, take him out of his environment, pull him out of his home and everywhere where he's been comfy, and you put him in a whole new situation, throw on the pressure of, hey, you got to save our season, bro. And yeah, who knows? Like, those are probably the things that New Jersey management is thinking about right now. But me, as a Flames fan, yes, please, for the love of God, take Markstrom right now because his, his value is as high as, his, as it's ever going to get right now. And yes. It would save the, the Flames a lot of money. We could bring up Dustin Wolf and let him do his thing. I know his numbers aren't out of control or anything, but that guy is the future in net for the Calgary Flames. And Vladar has been fine. I think Wolf and Vladar is a completely, absolutely doable tandem. If you got to have Vanacek, Vladar, Wolf, like a trio, all right, whatever. It doesn't matter. At this point, I want the Flames to kind of bottom out and get as good of a pick as they can because I'm looking at this western conference and like yeah they're there let's just get into the wild card like they're out there they have an outside chance they're they're two spots out of the second wild card it's los angeles and st louis holding on to it right now they're both at 58 points we know what's going on with los angeles right now they got fucking dummied last night what seven nothing from buffalo like get just just stop it Unbelievable, And then St. Louis, they're kind of just like, eh, like, could they, will they, I don't know. And then Nashville is also ahead of them. So uh, LA and St. Louis have games in hand on Calgary. Again, you've got to win those games. So it's not, it's not fucking guaranteed that Los Angeles will win all those games. But Calgary, 
55 points, three points out of a wild card spot with the team that they have. They've won four of their last five games. They got San Jose up next. It should be a win, but if they've lost to them before. Yeah, man, and like Edmonton, Vegas, Vancouver, that seems solidified. I don't think they're going anywhere. Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg seems pretty strong with those three teams right there as well. So, yeah, I think Calgary has a chance, but I don't want them to. (laughs) I want them to get a good pick and just trade off the assets while they have good value right now. And the other asset that they have is Noah Hannafin, who apparently is weighing out his options. Like, we still don't know what this guy wants to do, like... Again, he's another player that's like, I wouldn't be very angry if they decided to keep him. It would have to be like, I don't want them giving him like eight, nine fucking million dollars. If you can get Noah Hannafin locked up for like seven million, eight year deal or something like that, I I could be fine with that, I guess. You're going to have to keep some of the defensemen around. Like if they want to trade Tanev as well, I mean, maybe, maybe you want to keep one of them. I don't know, but Shillington is back in there. And actually read a little article with Shillington. He was kind of opening up about his last two years away from the NHL. Now, he didn't give the full story of what was going on there. But just a little, you know, a little crack into the window of what was going on with him. And it was a nice little story to read from from Shillington. He's doing much, much better now, which is great. So, good to see that. And if they get rid of Hannafin and or Tanev, then that could be more time for Shillington to to get back in there and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I want them to deal Markstrom, especially now with his value as high as it can be right now. He is actually tradable. People are interested in him, and that's amazing. So the Flames need to do this. Got to get as many assets as you can, and fuck yeah. Speaking of fuck yeah, Jonathan Huberto, believe it or not, has been in and around point-of-game player in 2024. He has been playing a little bit better. He's not living. He's still not living up to that ten and a half million dollar contract. But he's getting better. I mean, maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's just going to take a, an extremely long time. Now, when when this trade originally happened, I was like, oh, okay, it's going to take Huberto a while to to get involved. I was saying like maybe it's going to be like six months. Now it's been like almost two years now. So maybe maybe now he's starting to get a little bit comfortable. Maybe it's just taking him a really, 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 really long time. But he's playing better, so that's good. What isn't good, though, is Jacob Peltier getting re-injured, basically, right? He just got back, and now he's injured again. So, yeah, that kind of sucks. Uh, they also... Uh, extended, what was it, Connor Zeri, let's just pull that up, trades and signings, it was Connor, pretty sure it was Connor Zeri, no, Martin Pospisil got a two-year extension, $1 million per season, I'm fucking absolutely dandy and happy with that signing right there, sounds good, looks good, but yes, Calgary Flames fans out there, what the heck should they do, are they selling up, like, you gotta sell Markstrom, right, there's there's no reason to keep him, I just, there's just not, you got Vladar, you got Wolf, I mean, Trade Markstrom. Find someone. If it's not New Jersey, give them to someone else. It doesn't matter. Someone's taking them. Make it happen. And speaking of making it happen, ladies and gentlemen, Alexander Ovechkin is making it happen. Six-game goal-scoring streak. Let's fucking go, baby. He's back. He has risen from the dead. Ovechkin's back. Six games in a row, and that was almost essentially always on the table there was a couple of moments there i was like oh shit this might be it for him but it was always kind of there it's like it's ovechkin like at at some point he can just score 10 goals in in 10 games right and just get back on track and he's pretty much back on track to hit about 30 goals now so people are pretty damn convinced at this point now 
that he can do it. He can catch Gretzky's like 50-something goals away now, and if he can, who knows how long this streak is going to go. I don't expect it to go for too much longer, but fuck, am I ever happy to see that, man. Like, saw a couple games, I'm like, oh, cool, he's got games back-to-back. Oh, shit, three games, four, five, six games. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, that is awesome. And that's exactly what Ovechkin needed. I mean... He tends to be a really strong back half player, which is maybe something we should expect out of Ovi at this point of the year. He's not going to go full engines blasting all season long. He's an old man now in NHL standards, so maybe he was just biding his time and 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 waiting and now he's unleashing himself and maybe the all-star break was something that he needed who knows everybody could use a break you know some teams are doing good after the break some teams not so much but Ovi right now on fire and that is fantastic what do you guys think is he gonna crack into the 30 goals this season and ultimately is he going to end up passing Wayne Gretzky he's probably still two years away maybe from doing it but with a six-game goal-scoring streak right now, it, f- it feels like it's it's going to happen. So that is awesome for Ovechkin. Now, speaking of awesome, I teased this in the intro, but the man, the myth, the legend, Phil Kessel, may be returning to the NHL soon. And he is currently practicing with the Abbotsford Canucks, and he just might be signing with the Vancouver Canucks. And who knows, maybe Phil Kessel becomes a Four-time Stanley Cup champion. I cannot fucking believe that Phil has not played hockey yet this year. I can't believe Pittsburgh hasn't come knocking. I can't believe Toronto hasn't come knocking. What the fucking fuck? So, Phil Kessel, hopefully he'll be uh, playing in an NHL game. Whenever he makes his debut, I will be I will be making it my mission to make sure I witness his first you know, his first debut on the ice for this season, and it would be so sick to see him back in a Canadian uh, market, in a, in a Canadian outfit. I think he would look so fucking good in a Vancouver Canucks jersey. I would, I want one so bad. I want a Phil Kessel jersey so bad. I've wanted one for ever, and I've, you know, I have a blank Toronto Maple Leaf jersey, uh, an old one with the shitty logo on it when he played there. I've wanted to get it done up with a Phil Kessel on there. It's very expensive to get it done, and I, I just can't find one. I found a few out in the wild way back in the day, like when he was still here, and God, I wish I pulled the trigger on some of those jerseys back then, but nope, still, still don't have a Phil Kessel jersey, but at some point, I will, I will, and if it has to be a Vancouver Canucks one, I'm cool with that, man, I would love a Vancouver Canucks Orca jersey, I love the Orca, I know people don't like it, I think it's so cool looking though, but Phil Kessel, baby, hopefully he's coming back to the NHL, that would be absolutely amazing, Speaking of amazing, Brad Marchand hit a thousand games. Whoop de fucking do. No, but seriously, Brad Marchand, one thousand games. Very impressive. Very well done. I have a um like a hated respect for him. Like he's that kind, he's that exact player. Like you hate him. But if he was on your team, he would be the most beloved guy on your team. So I can only imagine how much love and admiration Boston Bruins fans have for Brad Marchand. On most days, I know there's the not-so-good days with Brad Marchand, but he's still killing it, having a great year with the Bruins, who are also having another great season. Is there another Stanley Cup in 
in Brad Marchand's career, I don't know, like, without Bergeron and Chara and all that stuff, it's, you know, Marchand was was very, very good, but, like, those pieces, I think, were more important to the Bruins as as a whole, but Marchand still getting it done out there as the captain, and, yeah, you, you gotta give him a little shout-out right there, even if it's Brad Marchand, so there you go, I shouted him out. Also, other news with Boston, uh, that Potros, uh, young man, will be out five months after shoulder surgery so very disappointing he was started really good out of the gates for the Bruins this year young center uh, looking to it almost looked like he was going to grab that first line center spot for a little bit and then he dropped off went to the world juniors and I think did really good there and and yeah now he will be done for the rest of the season which sucks that really sucks you know young player who was playing well and looks like the future is going to be very very bright for this young man so you know get healthy and rebound strong for the Bruins next year I imagine you will be it's the Bruins everything goes right for the Bruins because it's the fucking Bruins okay so things that haven't been going so well is well for quite a few teams here so we got San Jose uh, Tomas Hurdle will be out a few weeks after having knee surgery, so you know that's probably their best player, and he will be out for a few weeks. That's that's not going to be ideal. Oh, also, back to Vancouver, uh, Zadorov has been suspended two games for a hit on the head versus Detroit on Mason Raymond. So new guy there, only a couple games. I didn't get to see that hit, but there was quite a few of them. Here comes one from Winnipeg. Uh, what is it? Brendan Dillon suspended three games for a head hit on Nolachari versus Pittsburgh. So, yeah, this has been a problem. It's still happening. That debate, you know, of... So, with the Nolachari one and, and Brendan Dillon, there's there's a bit of a debate around this one because, like, Nolachari apparently had his head down from, like, blue line to blue line. So, like, he wasn't doing a good job at protecting himself. I think there's an argument of you know, players being taller than the other ones. And if, if they're like, like naturally, like their shoulders just going to go into someone's head. Like they would have to like crouch down awkwardly. I don't think that was the case, but I know that's been the case in other situations. Regardless, that is something that is starting to creep back into the NHL game a little bit. And that's players just not having their fucking heads up, not being ready. You should be ready at all times for fucking anything. So uh, example, I think it was Jack Hughes, uh, no, Dylan Larkin, I think, when he got fucking whammied this year. And he was just like, in his quote, he was like, I did not expect that. I was not expecting a hit like that. And that surprised me. I'm like, bro, you're in, like, this is the NHL. There's big fucking guys out there. Jacob Truba's in this league. Tom Wilson's in this league. Like, you gotta have your head on a swivel. And now he was, after that, he's like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna play the same after getting hit like that. And it's like, okay, so... We got uh, gonna be uh, watching that for uh, some of the newer players coming up, some of these young skill guys with you know hitting not being so prominent in the game anymore. When it happens and like a Jacob Truba sees you with your fucking head down, he's gonna end you. He's going to absolutely end you. That is his. That's his bread and butter, baby. So, I'm gonna be on the on the lookout for that kind of thing, seeing if. You know, I noticed people playing with their heads down a lot. It's uh, something that may end up creeping back into the game. So we'll keep our eyes out on that one. 
Okay, so sadly my eyes were on the Tampa Bay and Mikhail Sergachev situation. So very, very rough injury this week over there for Sergachev. Goes hard into the boards, and yeah, he he broke some stuff in his lower area. Uh, I think his fibula, tibia, something like that. Not good. He was stretchered out. Fucking terrible. He's going to be missing a lot of time. Uh, potentially won't be seeing him until next season, which is a massive loss for Tampa Bay. They... He's one of their best defensemen. If not, it's like him and Hedman are the 1-2, 1-A, 1-B. And, yeah, that's going to be a huge blow to them. And, you know, it was pretty uh, – He said, I think it was a tweet or something. And he, he was just being, like, really candid and just, like, a human about it. He's like, this fucking sucks. Like, I worked so hard and for for it all to be taken away just like that. Like, injuries happen. This sucks. And he's like, the, the, the pain medications are really good. So, yeah, fuck yeah. And enjoy the pain medications while you can. Um, yeah, man, that just, that's terrible. You don't want to see something like that going down with any player. And obviously if you're a Tampa Bay fan, you don't want to see it happening to one of your best players and that sucks. So is Tampa Bay going to try and add something at the deadline now? Cause obviously if Sergeyev's going on long-term, that's going to be what? 8 million some odd dollars freed up for them. So they could potentially make a move, uh, for a playoff run if there's a defenseman out there. So that could be something, but yeah, that just absolutely sucks for Sergachev. And they were starting to, you know, they were turning it on. They're back in the playoff hunt. They're right back being Tampa Bay again. And and now he's going to miss out on that. So that absolutely sucks for sure. But you know what doesn't suck? It's the Edmonton Oilers. So I, I teased the potential that, you know, when a team goes on a big old winning streak and when they finally lose that first game, there's more often than not, I feel like, Teams tend to go on a bit of a skid after that, and Edmonton has not done that. They, they've lost a couple games, but they haven't gone, they've done a win one, lose one. So me as a coach, that would be something I would try and pride my team on is like, whenever we lose, we will always bounce back. We don't ever want to lose more than one in a row. I forget what, I feel like it was probably Boston or something like that, maybe Tampa, but a team that just never loses two in a row. Like that's just so fucking badass I think so Edmonton doing that they were not going to be a victim of the big winning streak and then a pretty long losing streak so they didn't do that and on top of that McDavid the other night six assist performance oh my god like is it is it really all that shocking it's Connor McDavid but damn dude he he hasn't even done that yet in his career from what I can tell I think that's the first six assist game and that's immensely impressive I mean goodness gracious Edmonton continues to be probably the hottest team in the league they're just absolutely destroying it and they look like they're going to be a serious serious problem in the playoffs some people kind of bringing up the idea or has Edmonton peaked too early are they are they wearing themselves out I don't really know man at this point it's a little bit too early we'll have to kind of see uh how they're playing in the and once the once the playoffs start getting a little bit closer but I don't know most most people say like having a little bit of a a challenge or a mountain to climb throughout the season is always really good at team building and you know Edmonton having to climb out of the depths of hell in the standings and here they are stronger than ever looking really fucking good I mean that that is something that you can really rally a team behind like fuck we we were dead we were on life support fucking just about to pull the plug and bam 16 game winning streak and we're back in it baby so yeah that's the kind of momentum that that could potentially carry this team to a Stanley Cup but we're not there yet we're not there yet and 
We're not there yet with the Arizona Coyotes. Oh my goodness. I'll be brief with this because it's just a conversation that we have had as as hockey fans for like a decade now with the Arizona Coyotes and what the future is going to hold with them, yada, yada, yada. And it doesn't look good. Again, we're, we're at a point now where it's been, what, two years uh, that they made the claim that, oh, we're going to find this land. We're going to be remaining here in, in Arizona. Everything's going to be okay. And, you know, Gary Bettman talked about it, and his confidence seems to be shook. And we still don't have an answer or anything out of the Arizona management group or whoever the fuck is in charge over there. They still don't have land. They're still looking at land. They, they have no... Nothing's in place yet. Nothing's moving. Nothing's going. And there's only, what, two more years on their lease at the place they're playing at? And it's just getting to like a really embarrassing level for the NHL and that organization playing in this really tiny building and just this laundry list of terrible management that is just just it just been the identity of the Arizona Coyotes like when you think of the Arizona Coyotes are you necessarily thinking about hockey no you might be thinking about like terrible management decisions and and shit like that and 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 the crazy thing is there's a great market in Arizona and Scottsdale Glendale all that there's a huge market there that they just can't fucking get into they they keep fucking around and like I don't blame the people in Arizona for being like how can we get into this team when you guys are moving all around? You're just, you got no consistency. There's nothing to get behind with this team. And like still to this date, we still have no fucking plan. No idea what the future is for the Arizona Coyotes. At this point, people seem absolutely convinced they're gone. They're going to get moved. They're gone, but not dead. Now, the, the idea is that more than likely at this point, it looks like Arizona's just going to get bought up and moved. Probably going to Salt Lake City, Utah. There's an arena there ready to go. Fucking everybody wants them over there. The the owner, whoever, he's like, please, I'll do anything. Uh, fucking, yeah, just bring them over there. Get that headache. Fucking just let Arizona rest for a little bit, I guess. And come back another day and try again, I guess. I mean, that's where it kind of seems like it's going at at this point because the fact that they still have nothing in motion is is shocking. It's it's pathetic. It's not good. And I think that you, that's it, man. Like, how many more fucking chances can they give this this organization, this management group? Just just take it away. Give it to someone else that, that wants it and ready for it and, and a fan base that's ready to embrace it. And I imagine, you know, a fucking hockey team, you know, guys like Schmaltz and Keller that are sick of this environment and just want some consistency in their life and not having to worry about what tomorrow will bring or what fucking article is going to get written about them tomorrow or whatever. Yeah, so that's kind of what's going on with Arizona. It's still not good and doesn't look like it's getting a whole lot better and they're just spinning wheels and not going anywhere. So that's what's going on over there. And we'll finish it off with Columbus news. According to Boone Jenner, he would like to stay with the Columbus Blue Jackets, the captain of the team. I feel like he kind of has to say that. I don't think he's going to come out and say, like, I want the fuck out of here. This place is embarrassing. I hate it here. I hate me. I hate you. And get me out of here. I want to win for a change. But Boone Jenner says he wants to be a part of the the change in, in Columbus. And when they turn it around, become good. That's really cute. But at some point, it might happen where Columbus is a good hockey team and maybe even a playoff contender at some point I don't know if that's going to happen under Boone Jenner's watch but we'll see I mean it's always good to have guys want to play for you and especially your captain I wouldn't 
want John Tavares tomorrow to come out and say, I want out of here, even though I feel like a lot of the fan base would love that because you guys are freaks. But um, John Tavares, man, love that guy. So, yeah, I think that's all of the, the major news topics I wanted to talk about today. So let's go into it and let's give out a few awards for the midseason. We'll talk about most of the awards and, yeah, we'll just uh, hand them out and see who's doing so good so far. Okay, so I pulled out my hockey predictions from the beginning of the year, and we'll just quickly blast through what I thought all the the positions of the teams are going to be at the end of the year. Uh, Atlantic Division, I have Toronto first, uh, Florida second, Tampa Bay third, Buffalo fourth, yikes, Boston fifth, yikes, Ottawa sixth, yikes, Detroit 7th, yikes, and Montreal 8th. Hey, I did all right on that one. Metro, you got Carolina 1st, okay. New York Rangers 2nd, okay. New Jersey 3rd, Pittsburgh 4th, New York Islanders 5th, okay. Washington 6th, okay. Columbus 7th, and Philadelphia 8th. I had no belief or faith in the Philadelphia Flyers. My apologies. Pacific Division, Vegas 3rd, all right. Edmonton 1st, getting there. Calgary 5th, eh? Vancouver 6th, I did not believe in the Canucks. Los Angeles 2nd, I had a lot of belief in, in LA. They were my sleeper uh, cup pick. Seattle 4th, Anaheim 7th, and San Jose 8th. Not bad. Central, Colorado 2nd, Winnipeg 3rd, so I had belief in the Winnipeg Jets coming in. Dallas 1st, Minnesota 4th, I, I had some belief in Minnesota. Nashville 6th, St. Louis 5th. Arizona 7th and Chicago 8th. So I do I did have belief in St. Louis and I still do. I think they're not a bad team and they're in the wild card right now. So I'm not too bad. There's definitely some rough ones there in the in the Pacific though. Anyway, now we go to the awards. So the heart, uh, I predicted it would be between McDavid, Matthews, and Pasternak. Uh, McDavid's definitely in there. You would definitely need to be throwing in Kucherov for sure. And I don't know, man. Like, There's a lot of guys that could be in there. Honestly, I'd be taking... I might take... I don't know. Can you take Matthews out when he's damn near a goal a game right now for the Leafs? If you took Matthews out of that lineup, I don't know if the Leafs are in a playoff spot right now. So... I, I could be convinced with McDavid Matthews, like Kucherov. Oh, okay. Maybe we're taking out Matthews and we put in McKinnon Kucherov right there. And if I had to pick one of them, I'm honestly going to go. I would have to pick McDavid uh, just because if you at the beginning of the season, McDavid wasn't like fully healthy and the Edmonton Oilers were not playing good. And then it, it looked like he got healthy and then bam, 16 game winning streak. So I think I, I think it's McDavid. That's me. Art Ross, I had it as McDavid, Dreisaitl, and McKinnon. I, okay, I, I thought I had Kucherov in there. So, obviously, it's between it's Kucherov's to win. He's got the most points right now. And McKinnon is right there behind him. So, I, I got one name on there anyway. Ted Lindsay. I think that goes to the player, awarded from the players. So, I guess we don't really have to decide that. But I had McDavid, Matthews, and McCarr down for that one the Maurice is Matthews he's currently leading the league in goals and I feel pretty strong about that he's probably going to end up winning the Maurice unless he gets injured the other two guys I had there with him is McDavid and David Pasternak definitely didn't have San Reinhardt on the bingo card that's for sure um he's still up there I don't think he's going to beat Matthews but fucking really awesome for Sam Reinhardt the guy's been unbelievable and now we get to the Norris. I had McCarr, Fox, and Darlene down there. Didn't expect Quinn Hughes to do what he has done. Now, 
overall, I'll probably give it to Quinn Hughes right now, only because Makar has missed some games. If like honestly, I still think Makar is the better defenseman overall. Like you're, if you if you compare the numbers, they're very comparable in terms of points this season. But what really puts Makar on a higher level for me personally is just the amount of block shots how many more Makar has over Quinn Hughes so Makar is just a, a little bit more of a gritty defenseman over Quinn Hughes like he's not afraid to block shots he's not afraid to get into the corners and shit like that but yeah right now I would give a slight edge to Quinn Hughes but I think overall it's probably gonna end up going to Makar again he's just so fucking good man he is so freaking good but I wouldn't be angry at Quinn Hughes getting it. He has had an outstanding season for the Canucks. Completely turned that team around. Not by himself, but he is definitely a key contributor to the Vancouver Canucks' success this year. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Quinn, but I think Makar ends up with it. Calder, you got Bedard, Cooley, and Fantilli were the three guys that I picked. Now, as of right now, I think it's between Bedard and... Ah, uh, fuck, what's that guy's name from Minnesota? That defenseman. Brock Faber. Brock Faber, man. Minnesota, this kid is, like, really freaking good. Really, really good young defenseman. Like, I could see, like, let's just... If, if by chance, Bedard misses, like, some more time, if he comes back, plays some more games, and then gets injured again and misses another pretty big chunk of time, I could see Brock Faber stealing it from him. But I think without a doubt, like, even... Even the year like McDavid when he got hurt, and I think it was eh, who got it that year. I think Panarin stole it from him. I still think like they should have gave it to McDavid because by far he was the most talented rookie in the league that year. And I would have to say the same for Bedard this year. Like he is by far the most talented rookie in the league. But Brock Faber is by far the most talented rookie defenseman in the league. The guy is fucking legit. Like, he might be a bonafide top two defenseman right now. He is very, very good. And the Minnesota fans are making it making it very well known that he is good and he deserves Calder nominations and probably a Calder win. Ah, boy, it's tough, though. Like, I can't say that I've watched a lot of Brock Faber. I have just, I've seen his numbers. I see how many minutes he is playing, and it's very, very impressive. But Connor Bedard, man, like we all know, just watching this kid, he's the next one, man. Like that shot is insane. And if he just had some players to play with on Chicago, who knows how many more points he would have right now. But I'll go with Connor Bedard. I mean, Cooley's been okay, and Fantilli's been okay, but I don't really think they've, they've done enough to you know, really be in that conversation with Brock and Connor. So I'll, I'll stick with them. Vesna, I, I selected Vasilevsky, Shostyrkin, and Sorokin. And, you know, Shostyrkin's been playing better lately, but... And Sorokin's been good this year, too, but not up to Sorokin normal numbers. It's been, like, the Aiden Hill show. Thatcher Demko's been excellent. And uh, Hellebuck, I mean... I think it would be right now between Hellebuck and Thatcher Demko. Aiden Hill, like, yeah, if he had some more games played, but I think I'd probably go in with Connor Hellebuck right now, but uh, I, I could be convinced with Thatcher Demko. He's been outstanding. Uh, Selkie, Stone, Hishir, and Kopitar. I really don't know who is necessarily in contention for that right now. Um, I, I'll just pick Stone because I don't, I don't really fucking know. Jack Adams, I had Monty from Dallas, Cassidy from Vegas, and Rod the Bod from Carolina. Those are three fine picks right there, honestly. I mean, what Monty is doing in Dallas, uh, not as impressive as last year. They're not doing as good. Uh, what, what Cassidy has done in Vegas is 
phenomenal. Really, really impressive what he's been able to do. Uh, no, no cup slouch for them. They came out of the gates firing. And as always, dealing with a shitload of injuries and still getting it done. Uh, Rod Brindamore, I mean, being able to do, uh, have Carolina in the position that they're in with the goaltending that they've had this season is, is fucking outstanding. Um, I forget who, who is it? I forget who the coach is for Boston, but I got to shout that, that guy out. Uh, still having the team do so good without Bergeron or Krejci is amazing. So I don't know. I might just have to give it to the Boston coach, even though I don't remember his name right now. And then laughably, my cup prediction was the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Conn Smythe was Matthews. We'll still have to wait and see about that one. The door's not closed on the Leafs, but I am in no real belief that the Leafs are in any serious contention for the cup this year. But it's been a weird season for the NHL. There's a, there's a lot of teams that are, like, in... I don't know. Like, there's not, like, an extreme elite level. There's a lot of teams that are kind of in that really, really good, but they haven't been, like, destructively dominant like the Bruins were last year or Florida a couple of years ago. There's just a lot of teams that people are, like... I can be I can be convinced that they can win a cup, but there's also these things that are wrong with them. Like like name any team like Tampa Bay. Like they've had inconsistencies this year. So has Colorado. So has Vegas, and so on and so forth. Actually, there's one more thing I I would like to talk about, and that is the Winnipeg Jets. I want to go back and revisit the the Monahan trade and the fact that. You know, Winnipeg's been slumping right here. They went on a pretty nasty five-game losing streak there. And and essentially, the goal scoring has just got shut off for this team. They scored one goal, zero goals, two goals, zero goals, one goal, and they scored two goals the other night. So they have not managed to score over two goals for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight games. They have not hit two over two goals in a game. And that's not good. So they're going to need that offense to get back going for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, they won their game last night against the Pittsburgh Penguins 2-1. to They got San Jose up next today, so so not going to say it's a guaranteed win, but a really good shot at Winnipeg starting to get things rolling again. I know people are kind of already on Monaghan, like, oh, they brought this guy in, and they start fucking losing, they're terrible, Monaghan's terrible, they should blow up his house and shit, just fucking relax okay let the guy i have to do this every time but when a guy goes from the eastern conference to the western conference there is an adjustment period it's a complete not a completely different game but it's a noticeably different game when you're playing on the west when the to, to the east it's a heavier game over there in the west you got different harder time zones to play in you got harder travel and you're in winnipeg winnipeg's not a not the easiest place to live in especially in february so Cut Monahan a little bit of slack. He's not fucking changing the world for Winnipeg. That's not what he was brought in to do. He was there to help with depth. But yeah, Winnipeg's got to get their goal scoring going right now. So yeah, I think that's all. I just I had to mention that because I remember Winnipeg was going through uh, quite a bit of a skid, and there's a lot of heat on Monahan for it. But I, I don't think that's that's not fair. So leave Monahan alone. He's a great guy, and I guess y'all are great as well for listening to this podcast this week. Thank you so much for listening. You're awesome. You Want to be even more awesome? Just hit that that little review button. You know, hit the stars, hit the like, hit the follow. Do the little thing that you gotta do to help me the little guy out in a big way that helps uh, apparently a lot I don't know that I have no idea but that's what they that's what they say so 
If you could do that for me, please, and thank you. And if you would like to send in a question for the podcast, have it read out live and answered on the podcast, send in a question. There's an email address, there's Twitter, and I upload all of these episodes to the YouTube channel, GamerGX Videos. You can watch them all live over there and a great place to drop a comment. I'll see it, answer it, and all that great stuff. Be a ton of fun. And yeah, so there you go, everybody. We'll be back again with some more GX Plus cast. What is on tap? For this week, well, I think I have selected the game I want to talk about for the GamerCast. A little bit random, but if you know me, you know how I feel about this game, and that game is Heavy Rain. So I'll be talking about Heavy Rain this week on the GamerCast, a little bit of a retrospective, and that should be a lot of fun. That is a very weird game with a a little bit of a legacy on it, so that'll be on tap for the GamerCast this week, and the WrestleCast will be the WrestleCast, your weekly recap of AEW and WWE action, and that should be there on the weekend for you. And yes, so there you go, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. You're awesome. Hope you're having a good day, and we'll be back again with some more. GX Plus Gazed.